As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Some material may be disturbing and we use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. If you love the show, be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss new episodes. And if you want to support the show, please visit www.patreon.com slash killerqueenspod, where as little as $3 a month gets you early access to shows and amazing additional content. Now on to today's case. Yep. <laughs> Part two. You didn't say it right. Oh. We've been really trying on our New Hampshire accents, and they're the worst. Can you tell we're giggle boxes about it? I know. It's really funny. Do it, Terrell. Do it. It's Pam Smat. <laughs> and it's Pat, too. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, guys. I know. We make fun of everyone, though, including ourselves. Most importantly, ourselves. Most importantly, ourselves. But yeah. if you think that we're not going to do a lot of New Hampshire accents <laughs> during these episodes, you're wicked stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh, also God. terrible accents. Yes. That goes without saying, though. Offensively terrible. Yes. Here we go. Okay, get ready. Bill Flynn was so obsessed and so love-struck, he might have done anything to be with Pamela Smart. Made a lot of mistakes so far in this case. I sure right? have. Killing your husband, one of those mistakes? No, it wasn't. The target was me. It was all about me. There was so much red-hot information, all negative to Pam Smart. She's trying to scare me into shutting my mouth. The first day of the trial was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Those young men knew what they did that night. Billy was living a fantasy. What could be the other side of this story? It was just a war of words. Who else could defend me but myself? It's teenager against young adult. Who do you believe? Okay, so now we are episode two. It's just over a month after Greg was murdered. And at the very beginning of the episode, it just recaps what we already discussed previously, which you had he already heard in the first episode. Yeah, previously on pot one. <laughs> oh no. I can't stop now. It's just fun. Did you notice though, when they were going over Bill Flynn's testimony, mm. you know, and they're doing like the reenactment and they show the guy like holding a gun to who would be acting as Greg Smart's head, his collar here on the back of his neck, tag, clear as day hanging out of that sucker. Like a shopping tag? Yeah. Like I'm going to pop some tags? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like they took the paper part of it off, but you know, the plastic part, the part that's so hard to get off with just your fingers, it hurts. Yeah, it was still on there. Wow. I mean, clear as day, hanging out, like touching his skin. I'm like, ID, can you not afford to just <clears throat> buy the fucking shirt? You gonna return it? Like, <laughs> we're like, um, Bill, don't get anything on that fucking shirt because we have to return <laughs> we gotta that. Return that. Yeah. yeah, I was like, come on, guys. You're, it's not like we made the documentary. I know, if we did. Be rated. You would be Greg. You would also <laughs> be Bill. <laughs> Nobody move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the guy gets it. Yeah. Somebody help that man. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. that would be anyway. Yeah. Anyway, That's... so yeah, I just, I, I noticed that. I mean, it's just a regular button down shirt. It's not like. It's not like some sort of like a, like a designer shirt. Right. 
Yeah. So let's move on. Let's move on. I think we've focused enough on tags. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, item one, checked off the list. (laughs) Move along. So um, the first thing that they talk about new in this episode is the orange juice commercial. My God. It's just the worst thing I've literally ever seen. So I'm going to set it up for you. Pam, well, Pammy, she gets... Um, she's said that an extracurricular opportunity came across her desk and it was the Florida Department of Citrus and they were holding a contest for orange juice. And if you could get the students involved to make an orange juice commercial, um, there were a lot of prizes and the main prize was a trip to Disney World. So she decides to get Bill Flynn in as the photographer and Cecilia Pierce, who is her intern, said that they did the work on the commercial, but it was sort of, it like became a reason for them to hang out with each other off of school grounds. Yeah. So not only was it a great chance to be creative with your favorite medium, which is orange juice, but also to hang out with your boyfriend, a.k.a. a 15-year-old. Since the beginning of time, man has enjoyed the taste of pure and natural Florida orange juice. all seriousness like jokes aside that's where you need to get your nutrition that's true I mean it's important it's how you should start your day it builds strong muscles or whatever and even cavemen liked it that's true yeah so and the detective was saying that they basically just used that as like cover to go and bang at different places yeah. So gross. I don't know. It's weird. But I guess that is kind of a tale that we've heard before, di- what with directors and actors using that as a cover. So just like the great ones before them, Pam did it as well. So Sure. Yeah. But also the detective is like, you know, we're talking to Cecilia about this and Pam didn't tell us any of this stuff. You know, oops, I bet she forgot. Yeah. She was like, oh, did you want to know about the affair? I didn't... I didn't think that pertained to the murder. Was that important? Yeah. I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. So they're like, what the fuck is going on? And well, also... She had selective amnesia through a lot of this. So. Uh, yeah, that's a really nice way to put it. Also, she's 22 when she's mentoring these 15 and 16-year-old kids. And I was just thinking, like... I'm sorry. A, a 22-year-old is in no position to mentor 15 and 16-year-old kids. Especially the maturity level that Pam was working with. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, what are you doing when you're 21, 22? You're just like partying all the time, most people. I think very few people would be in a position to be like, hey, you need to get your shit together and like, you know, stay in school, hugs, not drugs or whatever, like... (laughs) I mean, I wonder if the school looked at her and wanted her to be a mentor because she was more relatable to the kids. Yeah, I mean, I think she probably, well, obviously she she was a little too relatable. Well, sure. She was so relatable that she mentored Bill's P right into her V. (laughs) But like, (laughs) I hope they were wearing a She did. I know. (laughs) But like... I just feel like when I was 22, if somebody would have been like, now, I mean, I think I was, I could, I was fairly mature. No, you were a trash bag. Let's call it what it was. In some areas, I was mature. But yeah, when I was 22, I would have been like, I'm too fucking drunk. What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm I'm high as a fucking kite. Yeah, you go to work and the, your boss is like, are you still drunk? And you're like, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you can tell because I'm still wearing the same thing I wore yesterday when I left here. And your, your lipstick is smeared all over your fucking face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just feel like, I don't know. I'm like, why did you guys choose that? That was probably 
a poor decision on management's part. Well, just saying. I agree. Cecilia said that it was so gradual over the course of months that she didn't even realize how wrong it was that Pam and Bill were even having this affair. She said it was almost like being brainwashed, which is, I guess, makes sense. And plus, she's only 15, 16 herself, so it's not like... Yeah, for sure. She, yeah, she was really young, and she said it just, it it took, it sounded like it took, like, months for it to really happen. So like it's almost swing, like yeah. they're starting to flirt. You give yourself time to get used to that, and then something else happens, and then you're getting used to that, and something else happens. And she said that she was really kind of, like, cover. Yeah, it she was, was like, like their beard. You know what I mean? Like, she was just the one that was, like, supposed to be there. <laughs> what? Their beard. That's for... Do you know what a beard is? Like, like your face covering? (laughs) (laughs) They call, so if a man is gay and he, let's just say Marty Huggins on the campaign. Okay. And he might, I feel like maybe was gay and his wife would be his beard because she's acting as someone that's keeping his cover. I was going very literal with it and sure being were. like, your beard covers your face. And so that... Either way, it works. Yeah. I sure. S- I see what you're saying now. Okay. Yeah, she was their beard. Okay. <laughs> I got it. She was just there to... Is that what the kids are calling it these days? I think the kids were calling it that a long time ago. I'm before. ready to be a mentor. I just figured out. Why? In what world do you... Did you land on that one? Because I don't know the cool stuff now. Oh, so that's now true. I'm ready to mentor. That's true. Yeah. You get I made thought, fun of all the time. I thought your beard was your face cover. Well, when we were in high school, you asked me what a donkey was. Hey, Michelle did too. <laughs> Michelle, you know you did. And I had to break it to y'all that it's your damn ass. <laughs> I was like, what? What's a donkey? <laughs> but yeah, Cecilia, and poor thing. I mean, she, I think, I don't know, probably at the time she thought that she was just like, part of the in crowd you know like she yeah. was hanging out and yeah that's what she said she was like i was just trying to be part of the conversation I mean, she says that at some point yeah and then she when they asked her you know what was pam's level of involvement i'm sorry i have to do it oh michelle you you were in new hampshire um, yeah she was we're directly offending you i'm so sorry <laughs> um she was like oh pam she was front and center and i was like oh <laughs> she was though she was and Diane, she let her little sass out there. She was like, well, was it the boy committed murder because he wanted to? Or was it she asked him to do it? And Ooh. she got this little smirk. And I was like, Diane, you're getting excited. She's getting all revved up about it. Yeah, you're letting it. You're letting that <laughs> professional demeanor slip. 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 Slide. Slip. Slide. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so then police go and question Cecilia about who orchestrated the murder. And that's when Cecilia says that she was front and center. Correct. Front and center. Front and center. Um, She says that she that as far as the planning goes, Pam was and that she doesn't remember actual times where she said, "Okay, let's kill my husband. And she didn't think that it would actually happen. But they tried to get Cecilia to get a confession from Pam. So their first thing as the detectives and police, they're like, let's get her on the phone Get her on the horn and see if she will confess and we'll just do a we'll wiretap it. Is that what you call that? Yes. Tap the phones. And you know, if you if you want to, if you are wiretapping somebody, right. well, this technically isn't a wiretap because Cecilia is part of the conversation and she's aware that it's happening. Oh, I see. I did a lot of research about this. So, because New Hampshire is a two-party consent state, which means both people, so say I was going to call you and I wanted you to incriminate yourself. And believe me, I have recorded most of our phone calls. <laughs> so I wanted you to incriminate yourself for something. Right. But in New Hampshire, technically, you're supposed to be made aware and explicitly agree to that phone call being taped. Hmm. Because both parties are supposed to consent. So there's only 11 states with the two-party consent. And New Hampshire's one of them. Wow. But in some states, there are exceptions. So like in California, 
You can record somebody else without their knowledge if you think it will collect evidence of a serious crime, but you have to be one of the parties. So in some situations, though, like in this situation, obviously Cecilia was on the phone, so she accomplished the one-party consent with the exception if you think you're collecting evidence. But say they just wanted to record Pam's conversations with everybody. That would be a wiretap because the investigators are not part of any of those conversations. Right. And you got to have a warrant to do that. But in order to do that, you have to show that you have tried all these other things. So, like, say they had done Cecilia thing and then they did the in-person wire and that didn't work. And then they went to the judge and said, look, we know she fucking did this. We've got to catch her talking about it. Can we wiretap? Which means secretly recording her conversations without anybody being like made aware, the judge would have to sign a warrant and there's like a time frame on it. Wow. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. And then what they would then probably do is do something in the media that's like, we've we've made an arrest or we got we're gonna go search somebody's house or whatever so that they would get her to talk about it. So they wanna they wanna get something out in the media so that she has a reason to talk about it, and that is called tickling the wire. Tickling the wire. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. tickling the wire. I like that. Get some talking. Sure, sure it does, sure it does. They tried to get Pam on the phone with Cecilia, and they, they do, but she's asking her all kinds of stuff, you know, like, what, you know, do you think that anything's going to happen with this? Or, you know, just like trying to ask her like loaded questions to where Pam will slip up. And Pam's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I do not know what you're talking about. Yeah, she's like, you know, you should have just gotten a divorce. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just She was very careful. She knew what she was doing. She, at that point, was very, very paranoid about the whole situation, which makes sense, I guess. But still, it's like, it doesn't really help the police. You know what I mean? So they knew that the phone tap would never, ever work. So then the next step was to get Pam to confess using a body wire. And so they get 16-year-old Cecilia, strap her with a wire, send her into Pam's office. And when Pam saw Cecilia, she got up and went to give her a hug. And Cecilia said that she was super terrified because she was like she's gonna feel the because there's this box that's like connected to the wire i'm just like imagining like a 90s this is 19 what 91 Mm -hmm. so i'm just imagining like a literal cell phone exactly like i'm picturing like a literal boom box like (laughs) taped to the side of her and pam's (laughs) like what's that um what's that box on you and she's like don't just don't you worry about that. That's my new Walkman. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't worry about it. You want to play a cassette on it? (laughs) Yeah, it was... I can't imagine it was easily hid. I can't either. Hidden. Hid. Oh, God. What is wrong with you? So sorry. I know... Forgive her. I can do dances moves. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so she was super worried about it, but she said that she positioned her body in such a way to where Pam... They went in for the hug. The hug happened and nobody felt anything and everything was fine. So then she's like, perfection. So then they sit down and they start to have the conversation. At that point, not only was the box, I'm sure, that was put on Cecilia's body, not the most (laughs) awesome technology, but the recording device as well, not the best technology either. And... It's not sophisticated, so it started to malfunction. And there were parts of the recording that are difficult to listen to. I think this is where, again, and I I think he's a great investigator. Pelletier. Yeah, it's like, I mean, what were you doing? You know, he just, he sits on his ass. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. And then when it's time to record, he's like, well, I got some, uh, some shit that somebody threw away the other week. You want to try that out? Yeah. This was cutting edge during the Civil War. Why don't we try that? (laughs) Just kidding, Dan. Get out of here. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, so Torella transcribed what the phone call was. So Torella, go for it. Should we should we each play a part or how should we do this? A little role play. (laughs) Okay, sure. So I've got a Pam and a Cecilia. Who do you want to be? I'll be Cecilia. Okay, I'll then I'll be Pam. Sure. Got it. So Pam starts. Well, in the show i just transcribed but it's on the show yes so pam says come over pick me up we'll go somewhere all right yeah what time do you think it'll be like five or six 
Cecilia is telling Pam that she's nervous because Ralph Welsh, quote unquote, shot his mouth off. And now it's starting to snowball. I don't like the term shot his mouth off. I'm just going to say that right now. I don't like that either. Do not enjoy it. It's, I've never used it. Never really heard anybody say it. I feel like it's a, I don't know. It's kind of suggestive. I don't know. I don't like it. I also know because from watching other 90s shows that when people say like somebody like bailed, they're like, oh yeah, I bagged on it. He bagged on me. I don't get it. I don't don't like that either. Hmm. Yeah. So he shot his mouth off. Sure he did. Yeah. Big time. Mm -hmm. So then Pam says, like, these guys are never going to get convicted for murder unless they have fingerprints and hair and shit and everything. You know what I mean? Like, they're never just going to get convicted because Ralph said. She then asked Cecilia about her contact with law enforcement. Where are you going? Dairy Police Department? Yeah, but I w- but what I was saying is if I'm, I mean, obviously I knew about it beforehand. And if I get up there and lie and then they find out about it, well, I'm going to be in trouble. Well, if you knew about it before, just say you didn't know about it beforehand. Yeah, but I did know about it beforehand. Yeah, but if you say that, you're going to get in trouble anyways, so you're better off just lying. Wow. Wow, Wow. Pam. Wow. And scene. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I didn't even have time to do any, like, rubber baby buggy bumpers (laughs) or anything, but I feel like we did a good job. Yeah, I think we we did a good job. I think The Wire is a slam dunk, and I think our um, interpretive reading was also a slam dunk. I think that I embodied Cecilia in that moment. Oh, sure. You're like, you're like... Yeah, but I mean, like, what if? Yeah, exactly. I do have a critique. Oh. Um, there is the word after in here, which she most certainly would have pronounced after. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's I, true. Just, that's true. I just, I have a note. That's it's all. It's true. Okay. So what I feel about this is, and we'll talk about it more, I guess, in the next part where her her attorney, Mark Sisti, is in a dream world about how Pam had nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. But it's not just four teenagers accusing her of something. She's saying stuff like that. Cecilia says, yeah, but I did know about it beforehand. And she said, yeah, but if you say that, she's not saying, well, how did you know? Or right. she's not acting surprised or anything like that. What did you that. know about before? You know what I mean? Like she's not. Yeah. You knew what beforehand? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's, it's, it's so incriminating. I can't even begin to describe it. I, like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, even having to explain that. Right. But if you talk to Pam and you talk, talk to Sisty, they're like, this is a fucking uh, oh my gosh, what do you call it? Um, conspiracy theory. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. out to get her. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Too. So August 1st, 1991, police decided that there was enough evidence to convict her. Convict her, to arrest her. We're not there yet. I'm jumping ahead. Come on. Well, if they're being responsible, they have enough evidence that they believe to convict too, so... Yeah. You're right. You don't want to make an arrest without the evidence. That's true. Thanks, yeah. Trella. <laughs> you got it, girl. <laughs> so supportive. <laughs> Police walk into Pam's office and tell her, well, the good news is we've discovered who murdered your husband. The bad news is you're under arrest. Punk, stand up. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and Detective <laughs> Pelletier is like smirking yeah. and smiling he's like yep we it's did like, it so we gave her the old good news bad news bit <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of on arrested development whenever they arrest somebody and there's somebody that comes like there is the big like group of cops come in and they like tackle whoever's being arrested and there's that one guy that comes in with the what do you call the thing that the baton the baton and he's like jumps in and yeah <laughs> way overkill there's it's no reason usually arresting it. the dad yeah and they're yeah. like let's beat him yeah i thought that was funny he was yeah. pretty proud of himself oh yeah he was he i mean th- that was a good one yeah i wonder how long you've been practicing that yeah, mirror exactly. before. <laughs> it's like one day i'm gonna use this <laughs> it's like on sex in the city the movie when scar scarlet charlotte's like whenever i see big i'm gonna say i rue the day you were born and that's like her line and she's yeah. so ready for it 
Yes, I like to think that Detective Pelletier was that way. Oh, yes. Pam says that she was stunned because she's being arrested for a crime that she didn't commit, of course, because Pam is Pam's biggest fan, and she thinks that she has done nothing wrong. So while she was being removed from the school, she said that there was a photographer snapping pictures of her leaving the building. Yeah, and she's like, oh, well, there you go. Like, obviously, this was a conspiracy. They were in with the media to convict me. Yeah, how did anybody know that I was going to be arrested then? And how did the the reporter get there all of a sudden and have the photographer yeah. snapping photos knowing that I was going to be arrested? Like, it was all a setup. And yeah, this and whole Detective thing. Pelletier was like, you know, we're, we're taking her out. And I look over and I see the photographer and I recognize him or her. I don't remember which. Yeah. From like a local news station or whatever. He was just as surprised as she was. Yeah. And I trust this man. Yeah, I do too. Even though he's a shitty, shitty <laughs> detective. No, I'm kidding. He's not. He's, yeah. He's good people. I think he, I think he didn't know. I mean, every, every police department has somebody who's talking to the media. They're going to get like a, you know, $10 bill slipped to him every once in a while or sure. whatever. In the nineties, $10. I don't know what it's worth. Probably a roll of quarters or something. Yeah. In that movie, L.A. Confidential or City Confidential. What's the movie? I don't know. With, uh, what the fuck is his name? Russell Crowe. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I know. It came, it literally came out in like 1990. I want to talk about it now. I but think like, it was L.A. Confidential, but I don't know. I don't remember. But we watched it. Andrew and I watched it on the iPad. It took us four nights to watch it, but we got it done. And uh, <laughs> worth. The investment that you guys put into it. Right? But the Kevin Spacey's character was the media's... Danny DeVito was the media guy. He wrote for the paper. And so he would pay him like 50 bucks or 20 bucks, something like that, every time. I think it was $50. Dang. And this was set in like the 60s. Things I would do for 50s. Yeah, sure. So I don't know. Maybe it was a lot more. Anyway, every police department has somebody who leaks shit to the media but it's just amazing because there's not one aspect of this whole case or just the retelling of the events that pam's not like oh well there you go i yeah. mean obviously i mean we're 28 30 years later or something like that it's 28 years well when it was right yeah yeah so i don't know but she's still the only thing <laughs> the only thing that she has a problem with but this whole fucking case is that she's in jail and that everybody was out to get her yes Who's Greg? Right. <laughs> well, and she says that too. She's like, it's always the Pam Smack case. It's never, it's never it's anybody else. It's never the Bill Flynn case. What about I, the Greg Smack case? Yes. I paused the TV and I think I yelled at Pam right then because I was like, what the fuck about Greg? Like, no, it's not the Pam Smart case. And it's not, I mean, we're calling it that because we're covering the actual documentary called it, but like, you know, oh, all these Greg years later. Greg gets lost in it completely. He gets completely lost in it. And she's like, it's never called the Bill Flynn case. I'm like, no. But what about Greg? Like, she she never, if she really didn't do this and somebody really did murder her husband, she would be sh- saying that. Right. She would be saying, what about Greg? Her, she would be trying to get to the truth of who murdered her husband. She'd be trying to solve that. Well, she's never even thought about that, not one time during the entirety of the thing. So No, never. So, yeah, just ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, she felt like she was being bamboozled by everyone, I guess, or something. I don't know. Yeah. An unnamed source had um, hands the media some pretty provocative photos. Whoa. Yeah, now they're, like, calling her the Black Widow Killer and now they've got all these racy photos out in the media. Let me paint you a picture. I don't know if it's one that you're going to want to see, but I'm going to do it anyway because I can. And because if I had to see it, you have to men- mentally see it as well. Picture this. Pam's on her bed. She's wearing a black. No, she's not. She's wearing a white. I think it appears to be almost lacy, but they're calling it a bikini. I don't know. It's like fringy, I thought. Okay. Yeah. There's some kind of a texture on it, but it's white. I think it's underwear. It doesn't look like it a bikini. It does not look like a bikini to me. And it's very much like that early 90s high cut situation. Jazzercise-y. Sh- oh, yeah. Yeah. She's on her bed, like I said, on her knees, 
kind of spread eagle mm-hmm. her arms over her head kind of holding her head in a very like sports illustrated yeah like almost like ruffling her hair yes and her friend tracy <laughs> paris was like i was the one who did listen those. to this shit yeah she says it was she's like oh it's it was my bright idea to take the pictures like that they were going to do it together or something and she's like i took the pictures of her i'm like okay well where are your racy pictures but also is this like i don't think this is what women do together like i think right after they did their bikini photo shoot their sexy boudoir photos together they had a pillow fight in their underwear and then they practiced (laughs) making out like (laughs) what is this Is, is she really gonna double down and say that it was her idea and she took the pictures and then Pam turned around and let Bill Flynn go get them developed yes she said here take what you want yeah who took those pictures Bill Bill 100% took the pictures I guarantee ya (laughs) well she's got a good friend in Tracy Paris who's willing to lie for her yeah I think I don't know if she's brainwashed or what but she just seems like I don't know I mean there's a lot of stuff girls do together. We paint each other's toenails. We we might even wax each other's legs. Like, but we don't take sexy pictures of each other. No, that's that's just you go for it. I'll let you borrow my tripod. Yeah. Don't don't ask me to be there for it. Tell me about it later. Yeah. I don't want to see the pictures. I don't want to see the pictures at all. And we don't do the pillow fight thing, and I'm I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. We don't. I don't think we have a lot of men that listen to us, but. Well, some, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But if, I don't know. if men, if you're out there. It's just not, it's just not true. It's not reality. But yeah, it's just super weird. So yeah, she gets Bill to, because at that point, and I don't know how, what our age range of people who are listening, this wasn't a digital camera because that shit wasn't around back then. Mm-mm. So you had to take the film and you really couldn't have used a tripod. Well, no. I mean, you would have had to push the button, right? I don't know. I mean, don't they have... They had... Um, yeah, but that would have been so expensive, don't you think? I mean, yeah. that wouldn't have been something that, like, everybody could have got. True. I feel like that was a disposable camera. hmm <laughs> And you had to wait a week to see how it went. When you have to wind it as well. Oh, yeah. You got to wind it. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of so, holes Somebody here. had to stand there and take that picture. Right. And I, I don't think that it was I don't Tracy think Paris. it was Tracy. And also, where's the pictures of Tracy? Right. Exactly. Like, or where's the picture? Because she also kind of made it sound like they took pictures together. Which is so weird. It's very weird. Okay. And it didn't happen. It just, it just did not happen. I'm sorry, Tracy. It didn't happen. <laughs> Paul Maggiato, he was the lead prosecutor for the Pam Smart case. He came from Brooklyn. Bill Spencer, Spencer, Bill Spencer is so good at describing people, like the way that he describes people. I wrote this down too. He said he had swagger in the courtroom. I was he like, said he was well dressed. He looked very great. Like he was all about him. He had one hell of a mustache. He sure did. I mean, yes, power stash. He, I think he looks a lot better now. I think so too. I think the stash was... It's holding him back. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But he was a bulldog. Yes, he was. Bill Spencer said that he was no nonsense. He told you like it was. And of course, let's not forget the swagger. Yes. <laughs> so Paul's goal is to secure convictions, of course. Um, yeah. Got to want to convict those convictions. Damn it. I had the line <laughs> in my head and then it's not even important, but it's fine. Going to want those convictions. Going to want them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And the but boys, Paul, please ooh. do remember you only want them if they're, if it's true. That's true. Yeah. Let's be, let's be uh, moral about them. Ethical. Yes. The boys, the teenage boys, they're still not talking after months of being interrogated. They're like, zip the lip, not talking about it. They are not taking this very seriously, I guess. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're like, the fuck are you going to do to me? Give me a couple months in juvie. For sure. So Paul's idea is to try them as adults. And then the boys are like shaking in their wee little boots about mm-hmm. it because, well, I mean, of course, obviously. Yeah. It's not just a few months in juvie. It's possibly life in prison. So the stakes go up. Shit gets real. Mm-hmm. And then after a few months, they are all certified as adults because there has to be some sort of process where they write. I mean, like, or they just have to yeah. turn a certain age or something. 
And once they realize that that could happen to them, they're like, well, hang on, Paul. We might want to we might want to talk to you yeah. real quick. I mean, this does give the defense something to work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that shows motivation to talk to the prosecution. That shows a reason that they weren't already saying this before that occurred. Now they have something dangling in front of them and they're like, okay, well now I will tell you that Pam set it up. I think that she did set it up though, but it is a little bit strange to me. I can see why maybe Bill would hold that back because he was in love with her, I think. And he was so naive to think that probably she was going to protect him or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the other two, they didn't have that connection to Pam. They were just helping Bill out. Yeah, so I I don't know why they wouldn't throw Pam under the bus before that. Yeah, I don't know. Unless Pam was telling them, like, you're going to get out in a couple months. They can't touch you. You're underage. Right. Just don't say anything. Well, and from what Cecilia said, and I believe it, I think Pam was very manipulative and did everything that she could to... Yeah, and you know, maybe these boys thought they were doing thought they were doing what's right. I mean, we've seen women play the I'm a battered wife or, you know, my husband beats me or you're saving me. You're now my knight in shining armor. You're you're protecting me. We've seen men kill people just because a woman alleges that they're being abused, Mm -hmm. even if they're not. Right. So, I mean, it, it could be something like that, but I am a little surprised that I mean, it just, it doesn't look good for the prosecution, I think. No, I agree. And, of course, the defense, they, they're not wrong to say that, so. Yeah. January 1991, all of the three boys are interviewed. After this, Paul Maggiato offers them a plea agreement if they'll get up and testify against Pam. So, there you go. You have a little bit more of that ammo for the defense. Like, well, yeah, you know, there was a lot at stake here. They were being swayed, you know, their hand was being moved a little bit with that kind of stuff and there was a lot of talk about what a good plea agreement would be so they came up with the fact that if it would be 40 years in prison for bill and patrick with a chance for deferring 12 years of that sentence for good behavior Mm -hmm. and on january 28th 1991 bill pete and vance which is pete short for patrick I guess. And then Vance is also J.R. Yes. Yeah. They all plead guilty to second degree murder. And Vance, we'll get into this a little bit later, but Vance was tried. He had a different sentence because he wasn't even in the house or the condo at the time. He was just in the getaway car. Mm-hmm. But um, Pam says, because they, they go back and forth in the documentary between like the facts and interviewing all of the people like the, you know, the prosecutor and the defense attorney and all these people. And they also go back and forth between that and like interviewing Pam. Yeah. And so Pam put kind of puts her two cents in everywhere. And she was like, I wasn't surprised about that, that that happened. And she was like, it was all about me. The target was me. It wasn't them. It was always about me, which mm-hmm. I'm like, isn't that the way you want it though, Pam? I mean, like you kind of love being the center of attention. So I'm not really surprised. That's true. Or it, I shouldn't, I don't know. Yeah, but, and she's also trying to say there, though, I feel like that they never considered any other option, and that's not true. Like, they did go chase down other leads. Everything led back to her. Well, yeah, exactly. And they chased down leads that she gave them. They, they took everything very seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, I mean, the only connection between the shooter and the victim was her. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's that's where it's going to take you. Yes. So then this is the point or the part of the documentary where we meet Mark Sisti. I mean, he kind of comes in and out, but this is where it's like he's the defense attorney and this is where you like really get down to yeah, knowing him. He seems like a good defense attorney. He really does. And he seems to be very, very committed to her story. Yeah. Which I would be the best quality of a defense attorney I would think like 100% believes that she's innocent he talks about the fact that the media was trying to insinuate that through sexual exploration Pam was trying to manipulate the boys into killing her husband and he was like that's just a lot of that's just a lot of bull just a lot of bull yeah 
pink. He also said, okay, Mark. I know, right? He also said that the media coverage was getting out of hand and they wanted to keep the jury as far away from the media as possible. So the first thing they did was to put in it for a change of venue. Mm-hmm. And they wanted the trial to be moved up to a county upstate. And mm-hmm. Judge Douglas Gray, who is in fact, no nonsense as well, mm-hmm. said, absolutely not. It's staying in Derry. And so the local news team M or WMUR petitioned to have coverage of the trial and broadcast it. And Judge Gray allowed it, which I was shocked that he would allow that to happen. I think personally, because by this point, it has blossomed into like a nationally covered case. Mm-hmm. I think th- I think this judge wanted to be involved. I think because if it if it had changed venue, he would not be the judge. That's very true. And then when he wanted the, his little fifteen minutes of fame, yeah. And then the news says I want to broadcast this, and he's like, "Well, hell's bells, I'm gonna be on TV." <laughs> you know, that's something that Pam Smart would say about this case. Oh, sure, sure. She would no. She would say that she thought the conspiracy was that the judge wanted to get famous off of this. Oh, I thought you meant she was going to be glad to be on TV. Well, that, but also yeah. what you said. You're basically Pam Smart. <laughs> Whoa. I had to say it. I'm sorry. I mean, I think I think that's why he did it. Because honestly, if you do look at... Now, again, I think Pam Smart is guilty than fuck. But I don't think her trial was fair. Like, because of all of that media coverage it was prejudicial the jury knew every detail that was out in the media that of course is going to be misreported because they want to do whatever sells i mean it's ron burgundy <laughs> like right i mean the news is not going to give just the facts they're going to give no their... and they're certainly not going to come back and be like oh you know how we printed that last week actually we were wrong that was our bad it's like they're never going to do that so right. All of it was very, it was sex sells, it was teacher-student, like, you know, they showed some of the news clips and one of the news anchors was like, a teacher was giving lessons in love and death to her pupils, and like... Especially just a good headline. It's like, you know, stuff like that, so I don't think there was any way that she was going to get a fair trial in Derry. Right, I agree. It's just not going to happen. She was absolutely convicted in the media before this happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On March 4th, this is 10 months after Greg's murder, the trial begins. At the defense table, you have Pam Smart, and she's got two attorneys. And she had been in lockup at that point for seven to eight months. And little baby Diane Diamond said that she looked like a wax mannequin. Like, <laughs> she did, did not look great. No. Then comes the opening statements. The prosecution co-counsel Diane Nicolosi delivers their f- opening statement. And she stated that the boys, in fact, did commit the murder. But she says that they're innocent and almost virginal and that they were manipulated by Pam, who was many years older than them at that point. I said se- I wrote down seven, but I didn't feel like doing the math. Is it seven? Seven older than Bill, yeah. Yes, okay. Oh, my God, good. Did it- Bill Flynn was barely into high school at that point. So he's, you know, he was a he's freshman in high school. A little bitty baby. Yeah. Yes. I mean, think about like you as a freshman in high school. Like I remember when I was a freshman, I thought the sophomores, I remember thinking one day, God, I cannot wait to be a sophomore because then I'll have like my life together. <laughs> you know, like I'll know where everything is in the school. I'll like... I'll be able to get from the main building to the annex, like, without feeling like I'm going to be late. Right. Uh, I'll, like, have a cool locker somewhere. You know, like, whatever. Yeah. Stupid shit. Like, I thought, if I could just be a sophomore, man. (laughs) You know? Wow. It's like the shit. Girls got to have dreams, I guess. I know. It's like, you're so naive. I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's just that level of, like, doe-eyed, you know? Yeah. Naivete. Yeah, good word. Oh. Is that how you say it? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I don't know enough to dispute it, so. There you go. So then Diane Nicolosi, she talks about Greg and Pam's marriage. And she apparently 
apparently Pam told Billy that she wanted to get out of the marriage and she said divorces are messy and it was easier for Pam to be the grieving widow than to be the divorced woman having an affair with the 16 year old. So she was also wanting his life insurance money, which, you know, he had the three life insurance policies out for $140,000, which is way more. We already talked about it than someone needs to at 23, but whatever. Um, so there were reasons why she would have wanted him to be murdered. And so that's what Diane Nicolosi was trying to get out and describe to yep. the, the jury. Then Sisti takes the stand and he goes after the boys and the validity of their stories. So he admits that Pam had an affair, but he was like, she was super, super mega extra, 100% like super sorry about it, but she did not conspire to commit murder. Like that was not in her character. She would never do anything like that. Sure. There, they interviewed a private investigator named Tom Nichols, and he worked with Mark Sisti, and he said that no one really knew the boys and their past because their juvenile records were sealed, but he had heard that they had committed, and he, this is the way he said it, which, I mean, he was very passionate about this, but he was like, they, I mean, I heard that they've committed quite a few crimes. Quite a few crimes. <laughs> such as burglary, theft, assaults. Hmm. And then the defense claims that they were going down a bad road and didn't need any help from her to get them to commit a murder. They were already headed that way. I really wish we could get a hold of those records. I, know. Uh, I would be interested to know because a private investigator saying, I heard that. Like, where did you hear that? Right, exactly. He doesn't tell us, so... Yeah, they were really, like, vague about his... A lot about him in general. Like, he popped up, and I was like, I need to write this guy's name down because he's here. But then I was like, well, what did he bring to the table <laughs> as far yeah, as... Yeah, he just was like, I don't think she did it, basically. But, like, kids that age do stupid shit, Boys especially, they light shit on fire, they shoplift or jump off, vandalize things. They throw, Andrew said his friends used to like throw pennies at cars passing by and stuff like that. Like you can really fuck up a car with throwing stuff at it. People throw rocks at cars passing by over, um, on overpasses and things like that. Like, yeah, you just do stupid shit because A, you're bored, especially in the 90s. What the fuck are you going to do? You're not going to get on and play warcraft with your friends right yeah what are you supposed to do i'm not saying i'm not condoning it but it's like it makes sense you know they didn't have anything better to do boy like yeah you that's not the same as being a murderer like right doing stupid stuff now assaults i don't know because and burglary i mean that's pretty bad so it's like but we don't have the details. Like, right. I would like to know, is that even true? And Detective Pelletier in the first episode, he talked about their crimes, but he never he never said assault, which no. it doesn't mean that it didn't happen, but he didn't mention it. And he said petty thefts, which theft yeah. is a theft, but, like, they would steal car stereos out of cars, that kind of stuff. It wasn't, like, aggravated theft or theft with a deadly weapon or anything right, like that. Right, yeah. They're not holding somebody up at gunpoint or knife point like or whatever. Armed robbery. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, take that for what you will. I don't know. So then the defense finishes its opening statement. And then after months of speculation, the prosecution reveals the details of the murder. So Pam told the boys... Don't get any blood on my carpet. I don't want any blood on my shag carpeting. Jesus. It's just so gross. So, uh, ugh. okay, we're going to get into more of that in just a second. But um, that was one of the quotes that really stuck out to me. Yeah. <laughs> so they call J.R. Latimer to take the stand. And Latimy, again, like we said, he was in the getaway car. He wasn't even in the house. But the defense asked J.R. what their plan for the day of Greg's murder was. And he said, we plan to kill Greg Smott. And I'm going to slip into a little little New Hampshire accent there, a little New England accent. They needed a car to do it and had arranged for JR's grandmother's car to be used, which is such a 16-year-old plan. But also, can you imagine being his grandmother? Yeah, you'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? I took you to Chuck E. Cheese in that bad boy. And you're gonna you're gonna use it to kill someone? Come on. Yeah, that's you're grounded. Yeah, exactly. But Grandma forgot to bring the car over that day, so they were in quite the pickle. Mm-hmm. So then they call and ask Pam for help, 
and Pam picks them up. She takes them to get the grandmother's car, but while they're inside of the car, Pam talked about the details of the murder. Patrick Randall suggested they use a knife since it's quieter, it's easier to conceal, and Pam was very adamant about not using that because she had a lot of white furniture, she had her shed carpeting, she did not want any of it to get destroyed by the blood, so she was like, absolutely not, it's not going to happen. Yeah, whatever you have to do to my husband, but just don't mess up the carpet. Right, exactly. Horrible. JR said that she was acting weird and very hyper about the murder, and she asked them how she should react to her husband's murder. So she was like, should I scream? Should I cry? Should I run to the neighbor's house? Should I stay there and call the police? And after Pam dropped them off, they picked up the grandmother's car, and then they made their way to the smart condo to commit the crime. JR said that the reason he did it was because he wanted to help out his friend Bill, and he was promised he would make $500 from the money that was coming from Greg's life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. $500. Yeah, I think that she took advantage of knowing that these kids lived in Seabrook. Yes. Which, you know, according to everybody there was not well off a little. Yeah, so $500. I mean, $500 to a high school kid is huge. I, sure. I probably would have been like, fucking quit my job, got $500. I know, like, right? I'm That's school too, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need this shit anymore, but exactly. like... You know, yeah, somebody who isn't, you know, he probably didn't have a job. I don't know if he did or not, but $500 is a lot of money. So he's going to, he's maybe going to make some bad decisions to do Mm -hmm. that. It's just so sad to me. And we always talk about this, but $500 to change the course of the rest of your entire life. Like spend, I don't know how many years he ended up spending in jail, but that's for $500. And who knows if he even got it, you know? Not that that really matters, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he didn't because they, by the time they got arrested, I bet he didn't get it. Yeah, exactly. So then Mark Sisti begins cross-examining JR, and he said that whether or not the boys were in the car with Pam that day is one thing, but whether or not that conversation actually took place is another. But why were they in the car with her? So So he's, that's him saying, okay, well, sure, you guys were in the car with her, why were all of them in the car with her? They weren't all in the orange juice commercial. Right, exactly. Wasn't it just... Because JR wasn't even part of that. Wasn't it just Patrick Yeah, and Bill? Yeah, it was two of them. I and can't Cecilia, remember Cecilia, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, it was only two of the boys. So why right. were they all in the car with her? I know. So he... Because that's the way that Mark Sisti is. I mean, he's a good defense attorney, because he's willing to do that kind of shit. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, you can nitpick and pick apart everything that has happened, but why, though? Like, you don't have a reason for the very beginning of it. You know what I mean? And and if they're trying to paint this picture that these kids just did this on their own, how did they know about the dog? How did they know where to put the dog? How did they know that the... What are those those like basement cellar looking doors. Oh, right, I right, forget right, what right, they're right. called. How do they know those were going to be unlocked? Right. Exactly. There are so many like loose ends and holes that he can't account for. No. So then he asked JR could try to like prove a point. He's like, who did you say good morning to this morning? Who, who did you say good night to last night? And the whole thing was Bill Flynn and JR shared a cell in the prison, which is, ridiculous like why they would house them together doesn't make any sense to me I believe that Pam did it you know what I mean like I'm definitely on one side of the fence but that's just ridiculous for them to allow them to be in the cell together but he was just saying like well of course they've spent all this time together after they've been arrested so they have so much time to corroborate their stories and to you know like to figure it out and I mean That doesn't look good. It does not look good. Yeah. So then Bill Flynn takes the stand and he was asked how he met Pam. And he said that he met her through the project self-esteem in school. And he talked about the orange juice commercial, which everybody is acting like that's okay to have happened in the world. It's a regular thing. Yeah. I I mean, I just, yeah. 
Yeah. How can you say any of that with a straight face? I know, right? Like, you saw it, right? Yeah. So, he said that he was very attracted to her and that he was in love with her and that she liked rock music and so did he, that they had a lot in common. He then, he also said that nothing really happened until Cecilia gave him a note from Pam. Oh, my God, this note. I know. He said... That she is the one who instigated the relationship. So she said, in the note, she said she thought about him and that she had feelings for him. He was floored, he said, and he never thought that that would happen. And he said that after the, after that, they were working on the orange juice commercial. And she leaned over and said, Are, aren't you ever going to kiss me? And he admitted that he had kissed her at that time. Then he said it was the first time that he had ever made out with a girl. Mm. Which is so sad to me, I know. Yeah. Then a while after that, he asked Pam, or he said Pam asked him if he had ever seen the movie Nine and a Half Weeks, which I've never seen either. Mm -mm. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah. So he said no, and she said, well, there was a scene in that movie where Kim Basinger dances for Mickey Rourke and that she wanted to dance for him like that. Greg had gone out of town so Billy and Cecilia were invited over to the townhome to watch the movie Nine and a Half Weeks. And after the movie was over. So fucking inappropriate. Yeah. Because it was supposed to be like the raciest movie of the time. Mm-hmm. Like. It's like wild things. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, he goes upstairs into the master bedroom. Pam changes into a negligee in the bathroom. The adjoining bathroom of the master bedroom. Diane. <laughs> Negligee. I know. She's fancy. She's fancy. She came out of the ba- bathroom and does a little strip tease for him. A little sexy dance. <sighs> Much like what Phoebe did for Chandler <laughs> and Friends. I'm so happy we're going to have all the sex. <laughs> exactly. Um, He said that there was a pause in the moment because he went downstairs to get some ice cubes to reenact that scene. That's adventurous for a first time, I would think. I would think so, too. Then after that, they had sex. And then Paul Maggiato asks Billy if that was the first time he'd had sex. And he says yes. And he looks so small. Like on the stand, he looks like a little baby. Like it makes me so sad. I know, this kid, like, had sex, like, a full five times in his entire life, and then he went to jail, like, almost forever, basically. yes. Then Bill said the day after that is when Pam brought up that he, that her husband needs to die. She said if Bill wanted to be with her, then he needs to get rid of Greg. Mm-hmm. He said that when divorce was ever brought up, that she was like, no, that she would lose everything, and so she gave him everything that he needed, She said, made it to where, like, she wouldn't be home. So she had her alibi with being at that board meeting. Like Torella said, she put, she would told them, like, where to put the dog, put him in the basement so it wouldn't be traumatized by the murder of Greg. Oh, my God. That the... Save my carpet. Don't traumatize the dog. Murder my husband. Yeah, exactly. I just can't. Yeah, no, it's so sad. So what happened was after they picked the car up from grandma's, they drive over to the smarts house. Oh my God. They go into the unlatched cellar storm door basement thing mm-hmm. and go upstairs. Nobody's home at that point. So they go upstairs. They rifle through all their shit in their bedroom, pulling things out, messing everything up to make it look like a robbery. Then they waited a long time for Greg to get home. And when he came in, they grabbed him. There was a scuffle. So Greg's fighting them back, but it's two against one. So it's Billy and um, Pete. And they are wrestling with Greg. Then they get him on his knees. And then he said that Greg asked him what was going on. And Bill said that he told him to shut up. Then he cocked the hammer back on the gun, pointed the gun at his head. And he said he stood there for what felt like 100 years, like just stood there thinking about it. And then he said out loud, God, forgive me. And then he pulled the trigger Mm. and shot Greg Smart execution style in the head. The defense wrapped up with Billy. Pam said that she was so angry while, while Billy was testifying because he was lying. And she said that she was mad because he was crying and he didn't even cry at his funeral. 
And that he was he, at the funeral? Apparently he was at the funeral. That is so fucking wrong. I know. He, she was like, he and his friends were laughing the whole way home after they killed Greg. How the fuck does she know that? I know. How does she know that? She doesn't, how does she know that? I just, like, because you talked to him. Right. That's why. Exactly. You knew when it happened. Why was the first person that you called after you found out that there were arrests being made or that they had suspects, Bill's house? Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many things. Yeah. So that wraps up episode two. Show does. So next week, we'll get into episode three. Yep. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get it now. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Get in on the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Killer Queens Podcast and join our Facebook discussion group at Killer Queens Podcast where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s. If you want to submit a case to be covered on the show, visit www.killerqueenspodcast.com slash case submission and complete the form. If we cover the case, we'll even give you a shout out on the show. Killer Queens is researched, mixed, and mastered by our own damn selves. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. And our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Lilas! As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.